the law that's been on the books for generations would kick in and abortion would become illegal in Wisconsin. Welcome to Wisconsin in Focus. I'm Cole McNeely, General Manager of America's Talking Network. If you have not already, we ask that you hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to this podcast so you don't miss any episodes of Wisconsin in Focus. Now here's your host, Bruce Walker. Thank you, Cole, and welcome to the Wisconsin in Focus podcast powered by The Center Square. I'm Bruce Walker, Midwest Regional Editor of The Center Square Newswire Service. Wisconsin in Focus is a production of America's Talking Network. You can find all of the Center Square's great podcasts at americastalking.com. And we ask you to subscribe to Wisconsin in Focus wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It could be at the bottom of a box of breeze for all I know. But please subscribe. We're recording today's podcast on Thursday, May 5th, 2022. And joining me today, as he does every week, is Wisconsin correspondent Ben Yount. Ben Yount, do you remember that ad? You probably don't. You're too young. Which which ad? The, the Ben Yount ad or the box no, the, of game? The the, the the well the the box of breeze. Breeze. I don't even know what breeze is. Is it is it a laundry well, detergent? You, you, yeah, yes, it is. But uh, you used to. They used to have a special compartment at the bottom of the box where you could buy the box of laundry detergent and there would be a towel a brand new towel at the bottom oh, of that oh. box and uh it was well known for its ads on the porter wagner show and porter wagner and dolly parton would talk about it and hats off to dolly parton who is being inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame this year so anyway she would say looky here porter and he would just admire the the rose cupboard towels that she got from free from a box of breeze. I, that is the I I'm I'm just old enough to remember when there were good toys at the bottom of cereal boxes. But uh, one, I didn't do laundry when I was a kid, and and two, I don't do laundry now. So they could be putting gold bars at the bottom of boxes of laundry detergent, and I wouldn't know because I haven't done my own laundry in years. Well, you didn't have to do laundry. You just had to dig country music, dude. Well, I, 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 I dig Porter Wagner and Dolly Parton, although I'm not sure that she belongs in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But you know, neither does they, she. But but she's going to go go along with it. Anyway. They got to have a class every year. I mean, it's it's like, you know, it's like graduation. Somebody's walking across that stage every year and there are only so many people that can do it. So and you know what? It's it's getting to be pretty slim pickings from my point of view. But yeah, who, who am I to say? <laughs> so anyway i mean i've only been writing about music for yeah you i was know, gonna say you you're, you're only you're only a, a lifelong music critic and music journalist so if, if you can't say it'd be like you know i can run out of bands that i think should be in the in the rock and roll hall of fame but when you say hey i think we've i think we've got enough for for, for now maybe we take a couple of years off uh, I, I, I would tend to, to rely on, on your expertise. Yeah, well, precisely. And, uh, you know, having lived in Detroit for 30 years or so, um, I, I have a certain uh, positive vibe about Eminem, but um, it's not exactly what I would call rock and roll. Jimmy, but, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis made it in as well. It, great producers, but I don't remember them making great rock records. So, oh, I don't know, man somewhere somewhere in the archives there's got to be a cover of Inagata de Vida you just you just know there is 
But we we digress. We're, we're getting too far afield from what is happening of import in the state of Wisconsin. And because you are my Wisconsin correspondent, let's talk a little bit about, um, you wrote a story, I believe it was yesterday, that uh, your attorney general has said, thank you, but no thank you. Um, I am not going to enforce any laws against uh, or any abortion laws should the leak at the Supreme Court become reality. Yeah. It, Wisconsin is one of, what is it, 26 or 27 states where if Roe goes away, the law that was on the book before Roe goes into effect. And in Wisconsin, that means almost all abortions would be illegal. Now, there are some circumstances where it would be, you know, life and safety of the mother. But for the most part, without Roe, the law that's been on the books for generations would kick in and abortion would become illegal in Wisconsin. And it's, it is not as if Wisconsin is rife with clinics. You have essentially three counties where women can go to end their pregnancy, and that, that's Dane County, the Madison area, Milwaukee, and then Sheboygan, which is just north of Milwaukee, if anybody's trying to sort of do the geography. It is not as if there's a clinic on every corner in the Northwoods or, or if you go out to La Crosse, that this is something that is readily available. So we're really talking about a very small number of people. But the attorney general of the state of Wisconsin, Josh Call, who has embraced a very political view of his job, he, he has not seen a national lawsuit or a national cause that he has not signed on to. He made it very clear in the aftermath of this leak from the Supreme Court that if Roe goes away and if Wisconsin is one of the states in which abortion is illegal, he has no intent to use his office to prosecute anyone for providing an abortion. And that's how it would work here. It's not as if all of a sudden the police would go and find women who had had an abortion and drag them off to jail. This would be an enforcement against any doctors that provide it. And Call said that he's not going to use his office. He will say, uh, allow local prosecutors to enforce that law. And Many local prosecutors are saying they're not going to enforce it either. But Call said, look, this is something that he is not going to focus on. He'd rather focus on where I, I think we have the, the quote in the story where he talks about the cases that that, that he would rather uh, enforce and, and, and talk about you know, going after people to make the state safer and make the state uh, yeah, we should prosecute things like violent crime and drug trafficking and not be diverted from those investigative and prosecutorial needs to be used to go after people for abortions, he said. Now, I, I put this story out and then shared it on Twitter, and my Twitter account is still going off. As, as we speak, I have to have my phone on silent or else it ping, 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 ping every couple of minutes. This has drawn an, an immense amount of of response. First, you have conservatives in the state who say the top cop in Wisconsin can't simply ignore laws that he doesn't like. That's not prosecutorial discretion. That's saying, I don't believe in the rule of law because I don't believe in this law. And so we are going to ignore these crimes. You also then have people who are pro Roe, who, in addition to their just general sense of, of 
froke outness. They are very angry that Republicans, conservatives, are upset that the attorney general would say, I'm going to pass on this. They, well, there were sheriffs during the coronavirus who said they wouldn't enforce the governor's mask mandate. How is this any different? <laughs> as, as if they've forgotten the debate over the governor's power to order this mask mandate and, and the like. But this is this is one of these stories, like so many things that touch on Roe that transcend any sort of sense of norm. This is such a, a guttural base story. People feel Roe v. Wade rather than interpret it or understand it or, or think about it in a policy sense. To them, it is a feeling and it, it, it is it is deeply angering for people on, on both sides. And, and this is this is one of these things where Josh Call is making it clear. That in an election year, when he's on the ballot, he is telling Democratic and progressive and left leaning voters across the state of Wisconsin, this is where I stand. The Republicans who are running against him, Fond du Lac County District Attorney Eric Tony and former state lawmaker Adam Jarko, both stand exactly the opposite. They say you cannot ignore these laws. They say they are pro-life and, and they will they will make sure that they do their job if they were elected as attorney general. And so this is like so many other states, this has become now not just an issue of following the law or what's going to happen with this specific medical instance. It has become a campaign issue. And people are here. We are the beginning of May. Voters go to the primary ballots in August here in Wisconsin. They don't vote for real till November. And, and this is this is as heated as, as any political campaign I've seen in the past 10 years. Well, yeah, and not not to make light of a, a very serious topic. And uh, when I say that, I, I mean that, you know, full bore as it applies to both sides of the argument. But if you don't enforce this law, what's next? Are you not going to enforce no white shoes after Labor Day or or something to uh, that egregious? Well, and and this this does get to an issue that that crime is already one of the issues on the ballot. That Wisconsin, like many states, has seen a spike in violent crime, and one of the one of the talking points in mayoral elections, or certainly in the attorney general's election, is that what you have is you have left leaning prosecutors, left leaning judges. Uh, you know, left-leaning cities putting pressure on their police departments to be much more lenient in the enforcement of their laws. That that, that low or no bail is a huge issue here in Wisconsin. Don't forget, it was just back in November where we had a man who was out on a couple of hundred dollar, thousand dollar bail at, at at most, plow through a parade, killing six people, wounding sixty others. This is a state where, you know, the largest city has 70 murders so far this year. That's 20 more than at this point last year. And last year was a record year for violent crime. The city of Milwaukee has more stolen cars than the city of Chicago, not per capita, not not a higher rate, more pure numbers 
and Chicago's like four times the size of Milwaukee. So you already had this debate about whether Democrats in Wisconsin are are light on crime. If, if Democrats in Wisconsin actually took the idea of law enforcement seriously, and you have now the top law enforcer here in the state of Wisconsin saying, I'm not going to enforce this law. And the implication is he's not going to enforce it because he doesn't agree with the end of Roe. That's not how it works. You don't just get to ignore the law because, again, you may have one feeling about marijuana. Marijuana in Illinois is perfectly legal. Marijuana in Michigan is perfectly legal. In Wisconsin, it is still a crime to possess. Now, if you want to change that law, go down to the legislature and get that law changed. But you don't just get to say, yeah, well, you know, I I don't like that. So and and this is this this is one of the the, the knocks on call is that he was never really a law enforcement attorney general he was much more of a of a political advocate attorney general and so now the republicans who are running against him have a, a, an easy issue to line him up this being cinco de mayo this is a piñata issue hang it from the door and just whack away at it with a stick but but look josh calls not the only Democrat here in Wisconsin to come out and publicly oppose the end of Roe. Senator Tammy Baldwin is calling for the end of the filibuster. Governor Evers is is, is promising to do all he can to maintain abortion services here in Wisconsin. Now, the interesting thing is that there is a Republican majority in both the Assembly and the Senate. So Republicans control the state legislature. The governor is still the governor, at least until November and, and then perhaps January if he is unelected. So it, there there could be in a state where lawmakers and the governor spoke in, in a state where there could be some compromise. There could be some compromise. But given the political reality of Wisconsin and, and then the sort of gubernatorial managerial style of Governor Evers, uh, there's almost no way that there will be any compromise. There, There is no way that Republicans, no matter how moderate, are going to go out of their way to give Tony Evers a win or or you know, go against the very conservative half of the Republican Party in this state that once Roe not only overturned, but but packed up, thrown away, and then would love to see enforcement here in Wisconsin. And while we're on the subject, it is not as if there is going to be some sort of abortion flying squad. You're not going to have anywhere in Milwaukee or Madison or Sheboygan or at the state level any sort of team that is going to track down doctors. Planned Parenthood of Wisconsin has made it very clear that if Roe is indeed overturned and if their planned lawsuit to to stop the enforcement uh, or, or to, to stop Roe, essentially, if they can't sue to continue abortions, they will pack up and they will leave and they just won't provide that service here in Wisconsin. And if no one is providing the service, then there is no one who is breaking the law and there is no one who needs to be prosecuted for breaking the law. So the idea that we are going to, as of you know, the middle of June or you know, election day in November, start to see a bunch of, of cases where doctors were performing banned medical procedures, that's not going to happen because there very likely won't be any doctors in the state. It, no one, no one is, is is out there asking to be arrested for this kind of thing. So th- this is this is a, a a more theoretical. What is the job of attorney general kind of discussion as opposed to the specifics of here's this person at this address doing this. Go arrest them now. 
Well, this is certainly something that have, will not resolve itself in the immediate future, but in the eventual future. Scott McClellan and I will be discussing this on Michigan in focus. And uh, in Michigan, we have pretty much the same situation where we have uh, Democrats who are the in the attorney general's office and the governor's office who say that they will not enforce a 1931 law. So uh, you're, you're, we are going to see just a, a ton of this and uh, it will be uh, resolved eventually, I, I suppose. Either we will, uh, th they will be successful in their lawsuit to overturn the 1931 law, or uh, we, it may be, I'll be a tempest in a teapot. Maybe this uh, draft from the Supreme Court that was leaked uh, is just that, uh, an early draft, and it might come out something entirely different when uh, it's finally released in June. This is this is one of the conversations that has been not just on Twitter, uh, but but on conservative talk radio here in, in Wisconsin, is that the end of row just simply means states now get to make their own rules. That what Roe did is it it forced a national standard. And the, the reason that the Mississippi case went and, and Texas and Indiana passed one of these, that they were looking for a test case that, that that could get all the way to the Supreme Court that would force this question of, wait, why don't states get to do this? Why, why can't the 50 laboratories of democracy work on this themselves? That, that there have been, and I'm not a legal scholar and I don't play one on television, but there have been lawyers for years who said that Roe was just a bad decision. Regardless of what you feel about the issue of abortion, what Roe did is it handy it, it it handcuffed states. And what Alito's draft opinion does is it removes those handcuffs from the states. And 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 as I've had to remind several full-throated mandatory vasectomies for men kind of people on Twitter <laughs> that once Roe goes away. You have the regular legislative process to go and try and change a law that there's nothing that says, one, you, you now have to go have an abortion or that, two, all of a sudden this is illegal now and forever. The reality is, is that if the people who would like to see abortions continue post row, they can go to the state house in, in Wisconsin or Michigan or Indiana or any of these other states and they can pass a law. And 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 that's that's the difficulty here in, the, in this this passion that people have of reminding them, hey, this is the beauty of federalism, that there are going to be some states where they come to a compromise where they say, OK, you know, we're going to ban it after X number of weeks or we're going to allow for this in this case or that case or that case. And, and that then opens up. Look at marijuana. You know, marijuana is still illegal at the federal level what, 30-something states recognize it as medicine, 16 states fully allow people to smoke dope whenever they, they want. You know, that, that is the exercise. That is the example of federalism. And when you allow states to, to, to take that path with abortion, Alabama is going to be Alabama. Mississippi is going to be Mississippi. But California and Illinois and New York, they're going to continue to be California and Illinois and New York. And all of these 20 other states where they, 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 they have sort of no row laws, 
Don't be surprised if this then becomes one of the big legislative questions as we head into 2023, because everybody's off getting reelected right now. But once the election happens in November, state legislatures come back after the first of the year. And just like they're going to take a look at at taxes and roads and education and marijuana in many states, they're going to now have to add abortion to that. And, and as as I pointed out again to a, a full throated, how dare you from Twitter that if 70 percent of people really do want to see abortions continue in this country, it shouldn't be hard to find the votes at the state legislature. The reality is that you have about uh, 20%, less than 20% who really want abortion in all cases, in, in all at all times, with, without any questions. And you have somewhere between 50 and 60% of people who would be maybe okay with abortions, but in, in very slight, very limited, very defined circumstances. And that's going to be the difficulty here, that, that, that just like passing laws for right to work, you know, you're going to have our friends on the left who are going to have to find their pathway to convince reluctant or recalcitrant lawmakers, hey, this is something that we as a state should take up. And that's the beauty of this. We do this. We write this stuff from state capitals all the time. And, and you know, at, at the, the, the risk of sounding preachy, this is why the government closest to home matters the most. It took 80 million votes to make Joe Biden president. You can change the law in your state capital with 50% plus one. You know, there, there, there are 132 lawmakers here. There are 118 there. There are 72 here. All you have to do is get 50% plus one and you can change the law. And, and that's, that's where the healthy discussions post row go. The unhealthy discussions, well, that's, that's what's on cable news and why they're, you know, uh, security fences out in front of the Supreme Court. And while we will get a whole batch of new memes of people screaming into the ether because this is such an emotional issue. Right. And, uh, you know, I would just recommend that uh, individuals on both sides of the issue read up on the Overton window and look how to work that as a political mechanism. So there, that's about... All I have to say about that. So um, in closing, why don't we talk about your gubernatorial candidate who has come clean saying that he only resides in Wisconsin part time. If there was a story that blew up my Twitter almost as much as as the row talk, it was Tim Michaels as part time governor. And as, as, a, as a music guy, I can't say that sentence without hearing the, the hook from Stevie Wonder's hit part time lover. Part time <laughs> a governor. Do, 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 do. If we if we had the Rush Limbaugh parody singers, I already would have that song. Out. Uh, Michaels is a very wealthy construction guy. His, his company makes a lot of money by building publicly funded projects, it, some of them here in Wisconsin, some of them out east. And, and he has spent the better part of the past decade living in New York or Connecticut. And his explanation is that he always lived in Wisconsin 183 days, at least 183 days a year, because that's what it takes to become a Wisconsin taxpayer. The rest of the time, he did what was best for his family, and he did the best for his business, and he stayed out east. There was a really good piece over at Wisconsin right now that sort of ran through the timeline and showed the properties and you know, pointed out that, that 
Michael's kids all went to these elite schools out in either New York City or or in Connecticut and and it's there there's a tinge of of you get it this guy's a rich guy ha 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 but the facts of the story are quite clear Tim Michaels lives in Wisconsin part time and the question that comes from that is does he live in Wisconsin part time because he's maintaining his connection to this state and he wants to be here for the people of Wisconsin or is he living in Wisconsin part time because well it's a better it's a better tax rate and, and and as I asked on on, on Twitter, if, if the tax rates were lower in New York or Connecticut, would would he be living there? Michaels did the smartish thing and get ahead of this. He answered questions on, I believe it was Monday, to try and tamp down the scandal that was brewing here. But the more that he answered, again, his line was, you know, I've always been here at least 183 days. That sounds one way when you say, well, I've, I've been here 183 days. It's, you know, six months plus a day that, that, I, that I live here in Wisconsin. The other way to say that is that, well, I'm, I'm here six months plus a day because that's what it takes to be a Wisconsin taxpayer. And so, therefore, I live in Wisconsin. You know, being a taxpayer in a state and living in the state are, are, are two different things. And this is one of the things that is going to dog Michaels because he's got a lot of money. And that's why he's running Republicans in the state aren't so sure about Becky Clayfish, aren't so sure about Kevin Nicholson. And they love the fact that Tim Michaels can write his own big checks. A story that I'll be turning into you here in the next couple of hours points out that Tony Evers just got a $21 million uh, promise pledge from the Democratic Governors Association. So there'll be no shortage of money on his side. But Michaels is going to have to answer these questions because like I think of voters in a lot of states, they want somebody who's one of them. And to, to, to have a life for the better part of the past decade out east where your kids, your wife, everything that you do is focused in the Greenwich, Connecticut area. And then to come back and run around Wisconsin and say, nope, I'm one of you guys from western Waukesha County. I'm a salt of the earth, hardworking Wisconsin guy. The facts and the narrative don't add up. And so this is this is something that Michaels is going to have to answer for. Now, why do you want to be governor of a state that you live in for the mandatory minimum legally required period? Oh, say what you want about Kevin Nicholson and, and Becky Clayfish. At least they can bother to spend the night in the state. And so <laughs> this will this this will be if there is one thing that is going to hurt Michaels, it is this. If there is one thing that is going to help Michaels, it's that the Democratic Governors Association just promised to spend $21 million to reelect Tony Evers. And, and there's no possible way that any of the other candidates can compete with that kind of cash. Well, thank goodness uh, John Denver is not alive today to witness all of this and considering running for public office because, you know, number one, he's a country boy. Number two, wherever he is, he's still singing about uh, the country roads and West Virginia. And uh, then he's also I, talking about the Rocky Mountain High in Colorado. I, th I think voters in West Virginia would probably elect John Denver just for that song. And it, it matters policies. You, you could probably even even bring his, his casket up and it would finish second or third in the race. <laughs> uh, they love that song in, in West Virginia. And 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 look, you know, Tim Michaels is a guy who 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 has long been part of the political apparatus here. He throws big fundraisers for candidates in Wisconsin. But but again, throwing big fundraisers, writing big checks and actually living here in the uh, in, in the state of Wisconsin are, are two different things. 
Well, thank you, Ben Yao, for all of your insights. I do appreciate it. I do appreciate being able to read many of your stories pre-publication. And uh, for me, I, I consider that to be quite the privilege. Wisconsin in Focus is a production of America's Talking Network, and you can find all of the Center Square's great podcast at americastalking.com. That's americastalking.com. You can find all of Ben's stories as well as all of the other Center Square stories at thecentersquare.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, we ask you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For Wisconsin Focus, I'm Bruce Edward Walker, Midwest Regional Editor for The Center Square. <laughs>